0: I was wondering how I was going to go with the neck, looking that way and that way from down there. So, uh, good to be here and uh, welcome out the back as well. Um, it's actually 47 degrees in Longridge yesterday. So, uh, we're really enjoying uh, the weather here. We can actually breathe. Uh, so, my family and I from Longridge, this is uh, our home church <laughs> many years ago. A lot of new faces, but uh, a lot of familiar faces amongst you all as well. And... Uh, Always an honour just to share God's Word um, with you. I want to share from Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at Matthew 24 together. I just uh, asked this to our church family at Longreach, um, you know, coming to the end of the year. Uh, has this been a slow year or a quick year? So I just want to do that here just to check. Um, just tell me, hands up, if this has been a really slow year for you. Hands up. Uh, hands up if it's been a quick A quick year, it's just gone, like, that. hands up if you think it's gone quick. Isn't that interesting? About the same percentage here as there. And I don't know if we're just all getting really old, because, you know, time gets uh, quicker when we're older. Maybe that's some of it, but I think it's across the board. Even the young ones are saying it's gone quick. It's quite significant. And uh, I think it's something to do with the age that we're living in right now. There's a quickening happening in the world today and i think it's very important that we as god's church god's people are quickened as well we shouldn't be sluggish we shouldn't be apathetic we shouldn't be passive we shouldn't be relaxed as such Uh, we should be pressing forward and pressing into god's god's best so i just want to share with us uh, a few things today and i pray i won't rattle on just to get to the emphasis of what I feel the Lord is, is wanting us to um, just have in our minds at the forefront of our thoughts, airing into the new year. I want to talk about the shifting of things prophetically, and I want to talk to you about battlefronts and uh, being culturally and globally aware of what's happening in the world today. Mm. I'm not encouraging you to be obsessed with the news, Channel 7, Channel 9. Lord help us. Mm. Uh, we won't be obsessed with that to be culturally informed. Or globally informed yeah. we should be prophetically in tune with what the lord's saying yeah. at this time at this season i think it's so important and uh, there's three battlefronts that i want us to be aware of as god's church as we head into the new year so it's all sort of like a briefing uh for for battle if you will i hope you're not scared of a fight bring because it, uh, <laughs> the church of jesus is not here for just games and a pat on the shoulder for each other it's actually we are the church of Jesus called to, to the forefront of the battle, as Marion was alluding to. So Matthew 24, if you have your Bibles. I'm going to read a passage here from Jesus. Um, you're in safe hands listening to Jesus. So Matthew 24, <coughs> verses 3 to 14. We're going to read this passage. It may be a familiar passage for you, for us together. Matthew 24, verses 3 to 14. Jesus speaking. Lord, let's just pray together. Father, whatever we do today, we ask that you quicken us and stir us for your glory. We ask for open ears, open eyes, and our hearts to be attuned to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Verse 3, the description here, Jesus talking, uh, set up here, now as he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, disciples came in privately saying, tell us when these things will be. The end of the age, the signs of the times. And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. Tick, see that you're not troubled. Tick, I hope there's a tick beside your name there. Make sure you're not worried. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to the, uh, to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Tick, that's happening quite a bit. They'll betray each other. and will hate one another then there'll be many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold but he or she endures to the end shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come Jesus is painting for us a picture of what it's going to look like in the end of the age and We can tick a fair few of those that they are very much a fact. It's quite chaotic. It's not that exciting if you don't have faith that God is working something for good. There's pestilences, there's earthquakes, there's all types of tribulation, wars and famines and deception and in the midst of it, we have the kingdom of God advancing. That's one thing that's for sure, that the kingdom is central to all the chaos despite it maybe being the loudest at times. Matthew 11 verse 12, I also want to throw in there as well to describe why there's such chaos and why the kingdom is central and part of uh, being an important part in that chaos to bring things about. Matthew 11 verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent it by force. The reason there's chaos in the world today is because that there's chaos somewhat in the heavens um, there's violence in the heavenly realm so be careful when we talk about the heavens because there's three the apostle Paul tells us there's the third heaven where the father is and we all know or we should know there is no chaos in the father's midst in his presence there is perfect rule and perfect reign there's not chaos famine and pestilence and earthquakes as such in that heaven but in the second heaven which we are even maybe ignorantly many times intertwined with is a violent place. The world that we are mingled with somewhat unwittingly or unknowingly is a place of extreme violence. There are demonic forces, there are principalities and there are powers and there are rulers. And the reason that there's chaos here is because there is chaos there. We mirror that. So we're thinking about the times that we're living in right now Um, it's quite clear that it's a chaotic season, and increasingly so. Human history has always been a place of war and conflict, bloodshed and tragedy, ever since Cain killed Abel, right through, right through. I've noticed, maybe you've heard the phrase in the last few years, people saying things like, I wish it would just go back to normal. You heard that? My kids say that um, in a funny, different way, but we won't go there. I wish it would go back to normal, which begs the question, what is normal? What is normal? I would suggest that normal is chaos and all types of um, um, intertwined things that don't seem to make sense. That's the norm. In our Western bubble, I think we get a little bit spoiled and think that the norm is having a cruisy... Um, nice car and a house and a no-stress lifestyle or a desire for that. We think that that is the normal that we should have, but the reality is normal is conflict and wars and tragic uh, uh, battles and bloodshed through the ages. So the times that we're living in right now are actually more like normal, where there is war and there is all types of threats, left, right and centre. We think about peace and the desire for peace it's a great desire it's a noble thing to look for peace and desire peace and to dream about peace and to want peace but i find it interesting that jesus the prince of peace never achieved world peace i know it's a nice thing to say at the beauty pageant for the lady uh, looking for first prize i'm going for world peace that's cool it's noble but it's never going to happen in this age Even Jesus, the perfect man, didn't accomplish world peace because guess what? He didn't aim for it. This is an age of war. It's an age of battle. It's it's an age of conflict. My Bible, and I think you'll find it in yours as well. In fact, I know you will. In Luke 12, verse 51, Jesus says, it's hard to swallow. Do you suppose I came to bring peace? Not at all. I came to bring fire. And I came to bring division. Absolutely, he, he brings peace to our heart. But he is not bringing peace to this world because there's an agenda to put Satan under our feet as the church. It is finished, but in this age, it's still being outworked. The church is doing battle and we are part of that. So with that as just a, a launch point, I want us to be battle ready as we head into 2024. Yeah and not just sort of apathetically, just looking for green pasture and a of life. God promises us rest and victory, but in the midst of battle, in the midst of a fight, and so we should expect war, prepare for war, and train for war. So there's three battlefronts that we need to be aware of. The first one, I want to focus on the, the, the last two a little more, but the War of Nations is the first one, and that's the obvious battles that are happening in the world today, in the global on the, on the global stage, Israel is at war again. That should prick our attention like nothing else as God's people, as the church. That whatever happens in Israel is pivotal prophetically and in these end times means a lot. <coughs> Israel is increasingly becoming visible as the central, most pivotal nation in the world today. It is because God said, It will be. It's the geographical heart of all prophecy. Jesus came to Israel. He didn't come to Stanford. Jesus came to Israel. He didn't come to Washington. Jesus came to Israel. He didn't come to all these other most important places. He came to the world, the nation of Israel and Jerusalem. He was born in Israel. He lived in Israel. He died in Israel. He was resurrected in Israel. He ascended in Israel and he will descend to Israel. He's not coming back to a fancy other capital city. He's coming back to Jerusalem. (laughs) What we're seeing right now is the beginning or probably the most significant birth pains to the end of the age that the world has ever seen. Let's not ever forget the miracle of Israel coming back to the promised land in 1948. The parable of the fig tree tells us, Jesus speaking, Matthew 24, that the sign is that when the fig tree starts, the branches start to soften and become tender, the leaves come forth and uh, we know that summer is dear. I don't want to go too much into that because you've probably got your finger on that. But the war of nations is a battle point that reminds us uh, that these are exciting times. These are good times to be alive, that Israel, the war of nations. Wanna. Uh, so what do we do about that? Do we grab a gun and go join the Israelis? I would suggest no. I would suggest that we pray for Israel and we pray for Jerusalem. Amen. And we pray for our leaders that they would support uh, the nation of Israel as well. So Psalm 122 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So the war of nations, I hope you're onto that and I hope you're thinking about that and praying into that. So the second two is by, I think, a little bit more subtle and uh, something we need to really turn our attention to heading into 2024. Uh, The second thing is the war on ideas. There's a war raging right now, it's a a battlefront. It's a war on speech. It's a war on words and it's raging now more than it ever has before. I just want to reiterate that the wars or the battlefronts we're alluding to today, they're not new. They're actually just being amplified and intensified. So the war on words. I've noticed, maybe you have as well, likely you have, there's a growing violence towards certain type of speech in our world today. Um, Some things, words or ideas, are like cheered and applauded broadcasted and celebrated like there's no tomorrow. You can say some things and it just gets a nod from the mainstream media straight through. Just straight through, loud and clear. But there are certain things that you just apparently can't say these days. That silenced that's viewpoint can be shot down and assassinated before it even gets out of your mouth. Yeah. <coughs> there's a war on words in the world today that I think as the church we have to be alert to and aware of. It's intensified. It wasn't long ago it was quite common to have a measure of open honest debate. Those days seemed to be fading. It was quite common that you could have open and robust debate. It was how society drilled down to the bedrock of truth. All the foolish, garbage, flawed ideas were brought to the surface, they were sifted and it fell through and the gold remained. That's how we develop a society, society in a healthy way. You bring ideas to the table, it might even be a silly idea, but you bring it. And uh, that was robustly debated. All were free to bring an idea and that healthy war of words actually delivers us from a war of weapons. The way we avoid war with weapons is to have a healthy war of (coughs) words. But we're living in a time, it's very significant to know that it's not a war of words, it's a war on words. It's a war against words. That right there, church family, should alarm us that words are being taken out and we're unable to even talk about certain (coughs) things. Just think with me, you'd notice the aggressive, op, off the hip, shoot down style aggression towards certain topics. I don't wanna dabble in your business or what you believe about some of these things, but I wanna air them just so we can be honestly thinking about how this is in the culture that we live today. There's a character assassination type attack against it, from some viewpoints as such. So I just wanna say some topics that you'll Have some labels, probably come straight to your mind. The voice, racist. Uh, If you have an alternate narrative view, let's just frame this, so if you have a viewpoint that is not according to the ABC, let's just say it like that. (laughs) The voice, I just hear these labels, racist, bigot, dinosaur, they're the ones that pop out at me, if you have an alternate view Toward what might be being pushed. LGBTQ. I have an alternate opinion about that other than SDS. Um, Homophobe, transphobe, and there's other ones as well we know. Uh, Climate change. You might believe in a a scientist that um, doesn't go along with what the mainstream media might be. Promoted. How about COVID? That might be something as well that stirs a lot of name calling. Anti-science, conspiracy theorists. There is the assassination type war that's happening on words. And it's not just on words, it's on the identity of the person speaking those words. So you're a flawed character, you're a thick-headed, you're ignorant, you don't know... Anything Instead of bringing it to the table in good old-fashioned debate, we have this aggression. And I'm just becoming more and more aware of that, church, and I feel like we do need to be um, not fighting fire with fire, but making sure we're not giving ground on words that need to be spoken. Yeah. Um, Some things just flat out need to be said, yeah. and they need we ought not to give in to... Uh, The intimidation that comes with this battle because if the church of Jesus is intimidated to the point of shutting their mouth on issues that must be addressed we're in trouble because words are our bread and butter words are our thing words are the things the thing that delivers people so what is it now it gets really crazy it's actually becoming an offence to offend anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Flat out that's just so, so wrong. You could almost be imprisoned for offending someone. There could be legal action, we've seen it in the sports world with the NRL and all the rest of it. You can't voice anything that is going to prickle the feelings of someone else. So we have to be tactful. We're not supposed to be going out looking to offend. But when feelings are exalted above facts, our society is in deep trouble. When people's feelings are exalted above the truth, we're not water. It is the biggest door and the broadest path to deception, flat out. It is the biggest door and the broadest path to deception if our words can be tempered by how someone else feels about those words. We used to say the truth hurts now we say if the truth if you're hurt sorry we will change the truth that's a problem that is a problem but that's the spirit of the the air that is influencing there I say even the church of Jesus Christ that we are afraid to tell the truth because of the hurting feelings of others there's no such thing as my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth, our truth. It's all garbage. It's Amen. his truth, the Lord's truth. We don't own truth. We are carriers of truth. We all know, that. we, pain is our friend, or well, it takes a while to learn that. As a kid, you don't appreciate that. But pain is your friend. If you're swimming in the creek or the river and you cut yourself on a big piece of glass and you start bleeding, it's a good thing that you know about it. Yes. It actually is good that you go ouch and you come out of the water and you deal with it. Yeah. Sad situation. If you keep swimming in the water and you blame that you, you drain your body, dry with your blood, goodbye you. Pain is your friend. So we will address the things that are happening. Our world today, is dying from the disease of sin and the attitude is that we should dull that pain by not addressing it or give it drugging or dosing people up or or trying to limit the effect of that pain. Pain should cause us to run toward the solution and his name is Jesus. So, without truth spoken the world will actually bleed to death and it's our responsibility to speak the truth even if it hurts and even if it's uncomfortable even if people might not like you so much it's a major battlefront there's an intimidation around this i know as a pastor i've felt this strong we're going to talk about things that are a little bit controversial bringing up um, something that might just prick a few uh, make people a bit prickly. I sense that spirit of intimidation, mm-hmm. trying to shut down the need to speak about things. Mm-hmm. We should not give in to that church. Yeah. We must talk about even controversial things. Yes. Yeah. I guess it's humorous but we've all heard and we've seen our prime ministers and leaders worldwide be put on with a very complex question which is what is a woman? That's yeah. <laughs> oh, a tough one. I know, because, uh, the poor things are put on the spot without warning, and uh, this question who we all know can be answered by a five-year-old, um somebody can't be answered by a world leader or a national leader, what is that? What is that? It's a good question. Truth is, they do know the answer. They're not that silly. They know what a woman is. The five-year-old knows what a woman is. They have just given in to the intimidation yes. of the spirit of the air. They have given in to the agenda, the battlefront, front, which is the war on words. They know the truth, what a woman is. But they're intimidated into silence because of that spirit. Church, we're up against that spirit. We are up against that spirit. It's the same spirit that tries to intimidate us from speaking truth. Let's not be ignorant to think that that spirit of intimidation stops with political issues or climate or science or medicine. Let's not think that it stops there because the main agenda against words is to shut down the gospel. Is there anything more offensive than Christ is the only way? That is the offense of the ages. That spirit that wants to shut down Common sense talk yeah. on truth issues is after the gospel. Yeah. After after the power that will deliver people for us to say what Jesus says and call it like it is. So let's not be fooled to think it's not about us because it is about us. And we have to, I believe, suck it up a little bit. And not go out to, like we said again, we're not out to offend people, but offense, if offense happens, so be it. Yeah. So be yeah. it. Yeah. Let yeah. us stand yeah. with confidence yeah. in who Christ has called us to be. Because yeah. if we can't speak truth, who can? Yeah. It's our bread and butter, it's yeah. what the Lord has told us, told us to carry. So there's a war of nations, there's a war on words, not a war of words, an assassination assassination style attack against words and our character. And there's also a war on identity. I just want to finish on, on this one. There's a war raging on our identity. It's a major battlefront. You know, if we peer past the assault on our words, we can see that it's actually going even deeper to the core of the issue, which is our identity as human beings. The ultimate agenda is to take down Identity. Every human being, put aside whether someone is saved or unsaved, we can talk about that. But every human, the most, the fallen, those who are not redeemed, carry something of the mark of that Creator. Humans are made in the image of God. Amen. Yes. Even the the person who's shooting up drugs and sleeping with sleeping around and just totally unredeemed, unsanctified, that person has the mark of God on them. I don't know how it is, but they do. Yeah. They do. They're made in the image of God. we made. Adam was formed and we're the lineage of Adam. Nothing's going to change that. We're made in his image. Your dog's not made in the image of God. Your cat is not. And I'm sorry to tell you this. Your cat is not. Your budgie, your lizard, your favourite pet is not made in the image of God. Humans are special. And the enemy does not like the image of God. And so there's an attack on us as humans in the most deepest and core levels. Apart from the many religions that are around today, we won't list those, I think um, there's a distinct rise of two more that have reared their heads just in this last little while. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, of course, but these movements are gaining a lot of momentum. And uh, they have quite a following and they stir passionate devotion. The first one I want to mention is the transgender movement. Yeah. That's an identity issue, yeah. that's an identity deal. That's at the most, the most uh, fundamental level, the transgender movement and transhumanism. I just want to talk about these just for a moment. And there's other attacks on our, our identity, but these are the most stark, wicked agendas that have to be called out yeah. that I think, um, I have seen. I've got a growing conviction that um, that we need to call these things what they are. Amen. Uh, they're both distinctly revolve around the issue of identity. So, trans yeah. simply means to go beyond, or across, or um, through. Both of these trans movements are have an identity to cross the line. Or just to to paraphrase in a way that even makes more sense, these uh, movements are about blurring, mixing, altering, and merging. Trans, both of them are trans. Let's look at first the trans gender issue. Now, transgender. Apparently now, uh, there's more than two genders. I know, I know. It's hard to believe, but apparently there is more than two genders, there's multiple options. You can go across, you can go beyond, you can go through what is fixed, and you can enter a stream of fluidity. We can cross over, it's trans. It's a trans situation, it's a trans world. And I think that the reason it's a thing now, that people can choose who they are, what they are, despite what their eyes tell them, is because it's a spiritual attack on our identity. How would you think it's even possible to look south, see what sort of tackle you've got, and uh, make a decision other than what you obviously see? It's a spirit of deception like nothing else. It is so dark, it is so wicked, and here's the thing, people believe it. Genuinely believe it. Deception is so rampant and so hectic in our time that it's hard to believe. Well, that's the thing about deception, isn't it? It's so deceiving. That's the problem with deception. It's an amplified crisis in our time because there's an intensified attack around our identity. If we ever find out that we are sons and daughters of God made in his image, the devil has had it, had it, had it. If we wake up and find out who we really are and there's an attack on people even entering anywhere near close to that. So the agenda is to blur. These are strategies of war. Blur, alter, mix, and merge. Go across and beyond that which is fixed. It used to be, some of you older people would have heard the the terms tomboy and sissy. Used to be that a girl who sort of liked to rough it or play on the dirt was a tomboy. And it used to be that a boy who was perhaps a little bit more feminine, Just an indoors type, they were a sissy. And I was thinking, back then it probably seemed like a really offensive term, but it's pretty cool. I think we should go back to that. Um, And you stand now, no, you're not a tomboy, girls, you're actually a lesbian. You must be. You are. Let's save the confusion. And young man, you're actually not a sissy, you're actually gay. There's the labeling flat out. putting people into a category that is by stealth satanic mm-hmm. and will lead us into more and more societal chaos. Church, mm-hmm. let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. It is a satanic attack yeah. on the identity uh-huh. of humans who have made it into God. It's flat out that. It's the stealing of the most basic, sacred sense of identity. Of our young people, mm-hmm. I know we can't be tricked. We're another generation, us older ones, but the kids growing <coughs> up today—they are told this stuff like yes. it's gospel. Yes. They're pulled aside, they're indoctrinated with it, doctrine of devils, mm-hmm. into a place of darkness and all types of confusion. Mm-hmm. It's the stealing of the most basic, sacred sense of identity. Are we need to fight for our kids in the midst of that. Because they're flat out confused, some of them. Yeah, yeah. Even in Longreach, people, uh, people confused about their identity, they'll pop in and out. One year they might go this way, the next year they're back the other way. I mean, it's just crazy. Even in conservative little Longreach. It's a worldwide deal, because it's the spirit of the air. He leaves no stone unturned. What do you think about all the pronouns? What do they mean? Let's not go into that. I'll tell you what they mean. They mean identity dysphoria. They mean identity, chaos and unease and crisis and restlessness. What does LGBTQA mean? Everyone not go into what that means, but I'll spell it out. For us as God's people, it spells demonic confusion. Yes, exactly. That alphabet soup is demonic confusion. Yes. And it's being inflicted upon our world, our culture and our children. Yeah. I've even heard it said that uh, the agenda, and we can't pin it on any one person because it's a spirit. Yeah. The agenda is to add an M to that for minor attractive people. Oh, yeah. To add them to the list. And if you weren't convinced already that it was demonic, that one there should get you over the line. Yeah. Minor attractive people. Yeah. That this is somehow a thing. Yeah. This is who you are. No, it's flat out not right yeah. and it should never be labelled as a point of identity it's a sinful world and things are getting darker and the church of jesus must get brighter yeah we must get lighter we must get bolder we must get more loving and gracious this is not being about a zealous more zealous type of a person or church but speaking the truth in love so we have transgender as a battlefront I want to touch just on transhumanism as well and uh, the same thing trans it's to blur to merge to mix and to alter so this is an attack on our identity as well and i think it's a little bit more subtle you can't trick us maybe with the transgender stuff because it's it's so far out there but the transhumanism is actually much more subtle and it's happening i think many times with us unawares of the real agenda with it so trans is going beyond and go further and go across. So, transgender—the the pointy end of transgenderism—is to, with the medical procedures, to change our our features. But the pointy end of transhumanism is through the means of technology. And so, I'll just say it straight out from the from the start of this point: I'm not anti-tech. And some of you are holding your phones. That's cool. That's all right. I'm not anti-tech. We're not anti-technology, but we are conscious. About what is happening in our world today let's think together we all know how far is too far let's think physically for a moment how far is too far when it comes to enhancing or adding to how we appear or how we um, carry ourselves in the world so most of you did your hair this morning so you affected your hair with a brush I don't use a brush but some of you brushed your hair and you're actually changing your appearance through your efforts you've change your hair—that's cool. That's enhancing your appearance. We might even nut our teeth this morning. Praise God if you brush your teeth this morning. Well done. You've enhanced your appearance and you've enhanced your breath. It's fantastic. <laughs> Some of us may have had crooked teeth, like Chad Morgan or something. Straight out, it's probably a good thing to bring them in a little bit. Um, we're adjusting our physical feature. Some of us may even have had a nose job. We've got a fight at school. We've got it straightened out, that's cool, it's great, we know that's acceptable, it's good. Some of us might have got a nip or a tuck or a little adjustment here or there, that's fine. But I think we all know how far is too far. There's a line somewhere there where it crosses over into manipulation on another level. We've gone beyond where, crossed the line. Some of you would remember Michael Jackson. We had Michael Jackson as a young man, and we had Michael Jackson in his latter years. Something went wrong. Somewhere along the line, he crossed the line, and he blurred over into something that's not healthy or good. So we use that as an illustration to analyze what's happening with technology as well. How far is too far when it comes to technology? Got a phone here today? That's cool. Got a computer at home? That's great. Got a TV at home? All of us do, most likely, most of us. Some of you are highly enough to throw your TV out. I'm not there quite yet. Um, We have acceptable technology, and we've been immersed into this. Let's be honest, it's just sort of happened like a frog in water. Um, Us older ones can look back and see how we've just been merged into it. sort of grow into it, it's it's, it's rolling on us as such. But the other generation, they're just immersed in it. They just think it's just normal, normal, normal. But it's actually happened to us, and we've got a little bit more of an analytical view on it. So we have the phone, and most of us have embraced that technology. I tell my kids I didn't get a phone until I was 32, so you've got a long way to go. Um, I didn't have a phone until I was 32, didn't even think about a phone, didn't need a phone, but kids these days are, are looking forward and our kids won't have to wait till 32. But um, <laughs> it was a thing that you didn't need one. You just didn't. But we've embraced this thing called the mobile phone, which does way more than make a phone call. It's so handy, it's so convenient, it's so brilliant, it's so necessary, follow the progression here. It's so addictive, it's so consuming, It's so distracting, it's so destructive. We go from handy, convenient, brilliant, necessary, to into a destructive sort of a tendency. And most of you are nodding because you know they can take you further than you want to go. (coughs) My heart starts to bleed when I think about some of the, the young ones coming up now, the things that they can access. I think especially pornography for young men just breaks my heart to think about how easy it is to dabble into something that's so destructive. We go from embracing to enhance our lives to holding obsessively just to survive. Some of the kids these days, they would just think it's like the end of the world if there was no, no phone. Like, how do you survive going downtown without a phone? What if I kick my toe or like You just got to have access all the time, to everyone. But it's happening right here and now under our noses, this dependency that is going maybe into the realm of a little bit too far. We're at the risk of overreaction today. I would suggest that there's an unhealthy merge and mix happening before our eyes. It's not all innocent and positive. It's not. It's not all innocent and positive. And the distraction and the addiction is an essence part of the transhuman agenda that's happening in the world today. Some of you might still have the flip phone. God bless you. Probably you it probably save you a little bit from them, um, the flow. It's, it's not a trickle anymore, it's a flow toward technological dependence. To the point of, you might think oh, I'm a little bit fruity, but that's okay. I'm just feeling a growing conviction that we must be alert about what's happening in our world today. Yeah. there are actually people alive that want us to go smartphone, smart watch smart chip smart nothing it's actually in you it's in you they want to inject technology into the human body that is not fairy tale at all that is a fact yeah. that is where the flow is going yeah. and if we just lie dar about it as the Church of Jesus will walk straight into it. The mark of the beast will be achieved, it'll be tech. Flat out, it will be. Yep. And so let's be on guard in regard to our dependency on technology, because yeah, yeah. it'll swallow you up and it'll spit you out. Yeah, yeah. Technology will have happen for dinner. Think about it. We used to have to dial up. You know that funny sound that the dial up used to make? <laughs> I can't make it, can anyone do it? It's just that loud pitch down to the low, <laughs> The dial-up connection, you have to have three cups of coffee before hook it would hook you Now there's Wi-Fi in this place and that place and that place. It used to be just McDonald's. Everywhere you go, you're hooked up. Everywhere. You don't have to dial up, you're hooked up. And if you think you're not being tracked, think again. Everywhere you go that your phone goes, there is a frequency. It's the world we're living today, and I think it's something of a counterfeit. Acts chapter 17, verse 28, says that in him we live and move and have our being. Mm -hmm. The spirit of the air would have it that this omnipresence type of technology would swallow us up rather than the spirit of God, which is our first point of reference. We're not supposed to be that hooked up to Wi-Fi and what's happening on the internet and to be totally neglected to the God who is everywhere. He was the original hookup. He's the original all-in-the-atmosphere frequency. Mm -hmm. But yet we're being derailed into the internet, which is a net, which starts to Mm -hmm. entrap and ensnare us with the wisdom of man. The internet's good. I'm not against Google. I'm not against searching up on the internet. I do it all the time. But I'm aware of the spirit of the air. And we are not, because we're the church of Jesus. We're awake, we're alert, and we're aware. So let me just finish up by saying that we, as Jesus Church, are on the front line and we are called to do battle in these areas. I think they are profoundly the most important areas that we need to be on point about. And some of us might need to sharpen up on some of these areas and not be so la-di-da because this is happening in our time. Things are quickening, things are stirring, and things are changing. With the introduction of information came the removal of wonder. We used to talk about what was right and what's wrong, and then some smart advocate would say, I'll just Google it. The wonder's gone because of the world, how it's sort of channeling us toward this dependency upon technology. So you can keep your phone, everyone's breathing the sigh of relief. But let's be aware, let's be alert as God's people of the war on the nations, the war of nations, the war on words, and the war on, on our identity. Let's be praying for our young people, especially in these times, yeah. that they won't be swallowed up. And, uh, in Jesus' name, if we could just get the keys back. Thanks, thanks for that. That would be, be great. But can I ask you to stay in church, God's house. Let's just ask the Lord to just quicken us to our responsibility in this area. Let's pray for Israel. Let's pray for Jerusalem. Let's pray that uh, we would have courage in a time that the enemy is trying to silence our words. And let's have courage as well and wisdom with that push toward absolute reliance on technology. Lord, we thank you for this day. Your name. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the power of your word to deliver us from every attack, every step. And Father, we are not in the dark, but we are children of the light. And Father, we're just praying today. Firstly, Lord, we're praying for Israel. Lord. We're praying for Jerusalem. And according to your word, Lord, we pray peace on Jerusalem. Let's, let's just pray that together. Peace on Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord, according to your word. We thank you, Lord, that your will be done in that nation. And, Father, we just also pray for the Arab world, for those who are bent on destroying your land, your people. Father, we pray for hearts to be softened, hearts to be turned. Lord, we pray for salvation. Father, we pray for our world. We pray too, Lord, for the war on words. Lord, that you would help us to have courage to speak and not be silent that indeed we wouldn't be intimidated to the point of not saying anything. But Father, we thank you for courage. I speak courage and life over every person, Lord God, that you have called to speak, maybe to family, maybe to siblings, maybe to workmates, maybe to preach, maybe to minister words. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't give in to intimidation. And Father, we pray too for the attack on our identity. We pray for our children, Father, We pray for the confusion that inflicts the hearts of many. We pray for eyes open, hearts softened. We pray, Father, for the intervention of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for delivering us from the blurring and the merging and the altering and that fluid fluid, um, doctrine, Lord, to take us away from what is fixed. Lord, we pray for deliverance. We pray for salvation. Thank you, Lord. In this place today, maybe you haven't made a connection with Jesus. You don't know what it is to make Jesus your Lord. Today is your day. You can say yes to Jesus right here in this place. Is there anyone here today who hasn't made Jesus Lord? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I want to get right with God in this place. You can just signal with your hand, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. Anyone want to say yes to Jesus today? Say, I give you my life. It's as simple as this. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you today, just say this. Jesus, I give you my life. Even if you didn't raise your hand. Jesus, I give you my life. Take my sin. Wash me clean. You are Lord and there is no other. I will follow you. I surrender to you. So, there's nothing better than making Jesus Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, if you pray that prayer today, uh, I want you to talk to uh, Brother Steve or Matt. Uh, tell them that you said yes to Jesus. That we want to pray for you. I'll pray for you as well. Uh, in your Bible, if you said yes to Jesus, come and make it known to us. We'd like to encourage you with that soon. Awesome. God bless you too. It wasn't too heavy for the last day of the year. No, it's great. (laughs) I pray that we'll be strong and and, uh, valiant. May may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious. May the Lord lift up His face upon you.